Good morning, good morning. Welcome to a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, it's a blessing to be here with you. My name is Caesar. I'm one of the pastors here, also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. Um, I thank God for God's amazing grace that meets me here in this holy place. And, uh, you know, I always, when I think of, of you know, my, my own limitations and all of those things, I, you know, I, when I, whenever I'm doing new employee orientation, I always tell people, you know, when, uh, when I drive to Dallas every day, um, I say, I always start out with Jesus. And by the time I get on 360, I've lost Jesus and the disciples. And I'm so glad that God has given me the serenity prayer to deal with all those bad drivers because now I can just say, God grant me the serenity. All right. I thank God for that. And I, um, I, but, I, but, you know, I'm constantly reminded of, of how good God is um, in my life in spite of me. Uh, and that's good news indeed. Well, um, as we prepare for our message, um, I want to draw our attention to um, a particular passage that's found in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And I think it's on the, uh, yeah, on page 1615, so uh, in, in your Bible. And will you prepare your hearts now um, as we listen uh, for a word from God? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from J Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, looking after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Will you think with me on these thoughts? A neighbor in an unexpected place. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we come now before you in the endless way that we know how. Thanking you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. We pray now, God, one more time, that you would 
rescue me from me and rescue all of us from ourselves. And we pray, God, one more time that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross that we may see you lifted up and glorified. And then, God, we pray one more time that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things. To give you all praise, honor, and glory, we pray all these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue with the Beautiful Day series, and as we take a few minutes to reflect on our passage for today, I think that it's important that we as a people of faith really take the time to think about what it means to be a good neighbor. Or more importantly, understand who our neighbor is and how, and how we as faithful believers in Jesus Christ are called to participate in God's work of creating a beloved community and a beautiful neighborhood not only in this world, but the world to come. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. puts it this way when he said, our goal is to create a beloved community, and this will require a qualitative change in our souls as well as a quantitative change in our life. In fact, as we think about the beloved community with all of the discord that we are experiencing in our lives, in our political lives, as we have witnessed the rise in gun violence and, and mass shootings in our most sacred places, with the inability to collectively solve the problem of climate change or even address the human impact on the environment, with the continued problems and struggles we have with the sin of discrimination against race and sex and age and sexuality and disability, and with the impending divide of the United Methodist Church over our failure to truly trust and believe that God's sovereign grace can transcend our human boundaries and weaknesses and transform us all for right relationship with God and each other, I think it is important for us as a people of faith to be reminded of who we are called to be as a community of faith and be ready no matter who we are to make a qualitative change in our soul and a quantitative change in our life to do the work, to do the work of community building and forming loving neighborhoods. Matthew 5, 13, 16 says this, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, in other words, let love, let love be the flavor in our lives. Let love be the flavor in our lives. If our love, if, if our love is not the flavor, then we are no good to the world. Thus, if we are going to be the salt of the earth, that loving expression of God's creation in the world, the qualitative change in our souls will require that we love God with our whole being and that we love our neighbor as ourselves, and that we let love be our guide no matter what, that we let love be the thing that guides us no matter what, that we let love be the filter no matter what, regardless of whether we are are, are liberal or conservative, regardless of whether we are Republican or Democrat, re regardless of, 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 of whether we are, 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 are Jew or Gentile, regardless of, of where we are, we have to let the love of God be the guide in our life, no matter what. Thus, if we're going to do the work of building and creating the beloved community, then it's going to require that we check how we deal with each other, plain and simple. Yes, if we call ourselves faithful, it's going to require that we take a deep look at ourselves and ask, is my life and my views and my actions building up or tearing down the beloved community? If it is the latter, then we must stop and do a qualitative check of our faith and our souls and see where we are placing our trust and then repent and ask God to forgive us and to move us back to love. Thus, doing the work of love means we talk less and listen more. It means that we move away from an eye from an eye. It means that we build bridges instead of fences. It means that instead of hurling insults, we share love. It means that we refuse to participate in evil. It means that we follow the truth no matter what. It means making sure our yes means yes and our no's mean no knowing that we are the beloved in Christ, we are empowered to place our whole life in the care of Christ, even when the world is falling apart. Amen. First Corinthians puts it this way. If I speak with the tongues of men or angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have gifts of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can, can, can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all of my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects the truth. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And I don't know about you. I really don't know about you, but I know about me. I am so glad that it doesn't fail. I am so glad that, that this love of God will not fail. So if we are going to be that salt that brings good flavor to the world, if our witness is going to mean something, then we cannot forget who we are and who God is calling us to be, even in a world of hate. Because if we do not love, we're no good for nothing. We're just a country club. We're just a group of folks. If we do not love as God has called us to love, we are not the prophetic voice in the world that's being used as an instrument of healing and peace. So the question, and there's always a question. So the question is how do we begin the work of building the beloved community? How do we begin the work of neighborhood building? How do we begin the work of, of sharing God's love and becoming instruments of healing and peace in the world? Here's the first thing I think is important for us to know and understand. The first thing is that we have to do the work of healing in ourselves. That we have to do the work of healing in ourselves. That we have to surrender ourselves to God's amazing grace of healing in our own lives. We have to give ourselves to God's amazing grace of healing. We have to do the work of healing. If we are going to be the salt of the earth and, and build the beloved community as Jesus has called us to, then we have to do the work of grace in our own lives. It means that we have to truthfully face our shortcomings and deal honestly with our first time experience that our souls and our spirits were broken, that we have to face honestly, truthfully, how we have used the substances of this world instead of the love of God to heal our souls. That we have to be honest about who we are we have to be honest about who we are. I, I'm a pastor and Celebrate Recovery, and I, I love Celebrate Recovery for, for many different reasons, and you hear me talk about it all the time. But I love Celebrate Recovery because it's unapologetically Christian. I, I, I love it because it's all about Jesus, and it, it's, all about, it's all about how do I have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I love Celebrate Recovery, because ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it's about how do I move, move all this stuff out of the way so I can have a closer walk with God. And I love Celebrate Recovery for that fact. But one of the things that, that, that I know in recovery, and, and Celebrate Recovery is not just for, for alcoholics and folks that have been addicted to drugs. It's, it's folks that are dealing with the human condition. Celebrate Recovery is for all of us. We all got hurts, habits, and hangups in our lives. And I always tell people, you know, we're either coping with hope or we're coping with dope. We're doing one or the other. We're either building silos that separate us and lead us to death, or we're building connections and community and relationships 
that leads to life. And, and one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery, when we, when we walk in, we walk in with our vulnerabilities. So when you come on Thursday night, you'll hear me say, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with codependency. And I struggle with codependency. Now, I got another word for it that I, I, I use, and I just call it radical hospitality. But I struggle with codependency. It's the thing that I struggle with. And I know that, that if I'm going to ever deal with and, and, and live in a life of balance, that I, I got I to gotta face honestly where that codependency came from and how I operate in the world and to face my own vulnerabilities. Romans 3, 23 says it like this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sin in our lives. We all have vulnerabilities in our lives. We all have vulnerabilities. 